Let me run this by my lawyer is a really helpful phrase to have in your back pocket. Legal Shield has been giving legal peace of mind for over 50 years. They connect you to a vetted law firm in your state for an affordable monthly fee. Want an experienced set of eyes on a contract fine print? Or you finally want to get that will done? Legal Shield has a dedicated group of lawyers who have your back, no matter what the future brings. Sign up today at LegalShield.com forward slash iHeart. PPLSI does not provide legal representation or advice. See a plan for complete terms. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. When you have health insurance, it's easy to forget about your out-of-pocket costs. That can be a lot of money. But are your bills accurate? It's estimated over 50% of medical bills contain errors. HealthLock can help. HealthLock technology securely connects with your insurance and flags any overbilling, wrong codes, and fraud. You can even have HealthLock work on your behalf to get money back from select past bills. To date, HealthLock has helped its members save over $130 million. To save, visit HealthLock.com today. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. Thinking Sideways is not brought to you by Marvin the Freewheeling Parrot. Instead, it's supported by the generous contributions of people like you, our listeners, on Patreon. Visit patreon.com slash thinking sideways to learn more. Thinking Sideways. I don't understand. Stories of things we simply don't know the answer to. Hey there, everybody, and welcome again to another episode of Thinking Sideways. I, as always, am Steve, joined, as always, by... Devin. And Joe. As always... Da. Da, da, da. And this week, believe it or not, we have another unsolved mystery for you. This week, our mystery is the Lake Huron boaters, also known as the disappearance of Lana Stempion and Charles Rutherford. A.K.A. Chuck. Chuck. Yeah, we're going to use Chuck. Uh, this, but before I get into the mystery, though, this was a listener suggestion. Was suggested by Suzanne, so okay. thank you, Suzanne. Yeah, thanks. Um, I don't know why I didn't find this one in the list, but oh wait, the list is huge. Mm-hmm. It took me a while to find it. True, mm-hmm. it's a good mystery. So the, uh, the the brief overview is that Lana and Lana, 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 <laughs> Lana. Okay. Danger zone. Danger zone? That's all I have to get it out of my system. I'm sorry. 
It's a um, Archer. Archer joke. Ah, I'm done. Okay. This is the last time I'll do it. Let's go. Okay. So Lana and Chuck were a couple who went on a two-day boat trip on the Michigan side of Lake Huron in 2005, and they never made it to their fest- final destination. Mm. It's kind of it's kind of like a Gordon Lightfoot song. Uh, or Gilligan's Island. Yeah. One mm. of the two. Mm-hmm. Nah, Depends on what you want. Lake Huron is set, never gives up her dead. <laughs> the stores of November come early. Oh. So let's tell you a little bit about our players before we get uh, too much into the mystery. Lana right. Stempian was a 35-year-old lawyer. She worked for the city of Detroit, uh, but and, and by all accounts, she tended to get men's attention. Not just because she was a very pretty lady. But, but she, she was. Yeah. She, she, she was, was. She was damn good looking. Uh, but she also apparently had... Um, it was a very outgoing, uh, vivacious is what it's described as, yeah. uh, personality. An mm-hmm. attractive personality as yes. well. Yeah. yeah, so very, uh, people liked her. It's too bad yeah. that she, this happened. She, uh, when she got out of high school, she had initially been a model. She was on the, the car circuit, mm. you know, car shows. She mm-hmm. was a car show model, and but realized that that wasn't what she wanted to just do forever. Yeah. So she went back to school and became a lawyer. Yeah, you can't really do that stuff forever. No. I'm afraid not. Uh, so she went to work for the city of Detroit in their law department. I'll be honest, I don't know what she did in the law department. I bet she it's did never legal described. stuff. <laughs> Joe, thank you. Yeah. How did I not figure that out? Wow. <laughs> okay. I, did, I did some research, and uh, yeah, it turns out that lawyers do legal stuff. Oh. Yeah. I Man, guess that makes sense. This there is why go. we keep him around. It is, uh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> Let's move over and talk briefly about Charles Rutherford. Chuck. Chuck. Chuck was 34 years old, and he was also a lawyer. He was uh, from a family of lawyers. He had uh, he had uh, at one point been working as a uh, for the city of Detroit's prosecutor's office okay. before eventually opening his own practice, uh, which he had been doing for I think it was about a year or two at the time that they disappeared. Uh, and he was described as a really nice guy. Um, he was evidently very in love. Uh, I think, is, or smitten is mm-hmm. the way that you'll see it uh, mm-hmm. described when you mm. see the written accounts. I bet a lot of guys were smitten with her. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh. Um, and they had the the pair had met sometime in 2003. He was pretty quiet. Sorry, right? Oh he yeah, was he was. She he was, was outgoing a, one. Yeah, it's yeah. it's that that relationship. You mm-hmm. see that a lot. There's yeah. the quiet one and the very outgoing. He yeah. was the quiet one in the relationship. Okay. Uh, they met though, in like I said, in 2003, and then they moved in together the following year. And I'm not really sure exactly what this means, but it's said that they like to have a few drinks. They were described as 30-something barflies. At the end of the day, they went out and had a beer, a couple of drinks. Well, what's wrong with that? Well, that's my thing is I don't know what what that means specifically because I know a lot of people who in their early to mid-30s will go have a couple of drinks at the end of the day well, a couple times a week. So I think that that's, that's one of those uh, generational things and also a Portland thing. Like in Portland, we go out, we drink, we eat. That's what we do. That's mm-hmm. societally, that's what we do here. A lot of places... But we don't have kitchens. There's yeah. not enough room in our houses for kitchens. We can't afford them. We put birds on everything. And yeah. So we can't cook. There's just pickles everywhere. Uh, but, in, I mean, you know, when I lived in the Midwest, for instance, uh, you know, people in their early 30s were expected to be married with kids and young kids. So it was less of the going out culture in your early to mid 30s and more of the family life culture. So I can see how that would be brought up sometimes as 
meant to be an outlier, whether we think it's an outlier or not. I, I mean, I don't know that that's relevant. No, no, that's, that's a very, that's, that's a that perspective that's a I hadn't thought of. Yeah. So no, yeah, absolutely. I, I, yeah. Nothing, nothing wrong with boozing up. Yeah. Booze I agree. Yeah. yeah. Also nothing yeah. wrong with being family. No, at that age. absolutely not. Uh, back to the story, though. But by oh, yeah. all by all outward accounts, the pair were a, in a relatively happy relationship. And we will talk about some further details. You know, as with every relationship, there's there's always things that aren't quite right. Well, duh. That's yeah. called being human. Yeah. That's why but, I'm going to solve this now. He murdered her. <laughs> <laughs> but we'll we'll talk about that later on. Lana's father is retired from the U.S. Coast Guard, and. I say that because it's always brought up about the fact that he was very diligent in teaching her boater safety, and because they spent so much time on the water, she really liked being on the water. And she was competent. And she was, yes, she was a competent behind the wheel of a boat, or behind the controls. Obviously, she'd probably been doing it since she was a kid. Exactly. And she's, you know, her family has always said that she was very serious on the, when she was on the water, it was safety first. If you were going to have drinks, you did that when you got back to the dock. Like, she wasn't, um, flippant isn't the word. She wasn't, uh, reckless about it or careless about it. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, this is, this is important to know because... Uh, Four years before she disappeared, which would be in 2001, Lana had bought a 27-foot Wellcraft cabin cruiser, which she had named Sea's Life. Not Sea's Life. She named it Boaty McBoatface. (laughs) (laughs) Which, if I ever get a boat, I'm going to name it that. If only. (laughs) No, she she was uh, many, many, many years before that meme came around. Oh, I know. <laughs> so just a quick description of her boat because it's where the majority of our mystery takes place. Well, it was boat shaped. We know that. Thank you, Joe. Yeah. Appreciate that. Really, when you get down to it, isn't almost everything boat shaped? A lot of things are. Yeah. Well, not boats, a sheet of plywood. Boats, most especially. You could float on a piece of plywood. But it's not boat shaped. <laughs> yeah. This argument's going nowhere. Let's get back to the story. Uh, That's it. Well, <laughs> so, I mean, it's, it's a, it was a 27-foot cabin cruiser, right? Right. But not a lot of people know what that but is. But not everybody knows what that is, Joe. Oh. Here's, here's a description of it. Is the boat, uh, if you, it is one of those boats where the rear half to two-thirds is an the, open space. It's called the well. Yes, the yeah. well. It has seats and benches for people to hang out. There is the pilot seat where the controls are, the steering and the throttle. Almost mm. every picture you see online of like rich, attractive people hanging out on a boat is a boat like this. Right. Pretty close. It's yeah. like the girls in bikinis it's... sitting on the bench yeah. off the back of a boat. That's this boat. But this yeah. is, keep in mind, this boat is a single story because you'll see boats that have the raised or enclosed cabins. Yeah, those this, are like yachts. Right. This, yeah. is, this, is, like this is, is an open cabin boat. Yeah. Well, Everything is open. Um, there is There is a small stairwell in the front that goes into the bow, which has a small living quarters. Yeah, it's called the cutty cabin. It's teeny. There's a yeah. small toilet. There's a, a place to a fridge and a stove, and depending on the model, or maybe there there's something that can be changed out. It would have bench seats and a table or a bed. I would think it was like an RV. You know how you can kind fold yeah, that's the what I, that's why I say it may be yeah, changeable. The, the table usually usually boats like this have a V berth and right up in the bow, and then and then the dining table. 
you know, drops and it's got cushions you can put on it. Right. And then that's another bunk. That's right. Usually how they. How they and that's what the pictures out. of this boat tiny head. look like. Is that it's itsy bits. Yeah, it's not something that you live in. It's no, you no. take a trip. Oh, I got to take a wee. I go down or and I take a wee. You have some place to sleep if you're doing a one overnighter. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Oh, and the other thing that I will say uh, is that uh, because it looks cool, I always like it. This boat has a big spoiler on it off of the back end mm-hmm. uh, that it's actually meant to also house. You know, they have the the plastic and tarpaulin covers for cruddy weather. Yeah. You mm-hmm. could cover it up. It's got a small swim deck off the back, which is just a platform. There is a swim ladder. It's important to note that the ladder on this particular boat sits on the top of the deck that you would dive off of. It's not one of the yeah. ones that's mounted underneath or built into the actual boat, yeah, into actually, the hull. Well, you fold it down when you want to use it, right? Right. Yeah. But it's not something that would be readily accessible from the water. No. Some boats have them where they're on the underside, mm. and you can just reach over and pull it. And this That's not what this boat had at all. Yeah. My, uh, some of my neighbors growing up had a boat very similar to this that we took out onto the river. I will, the only other thing I'll say about her boat is, though we know it's a 27-foot Wellcraft cabin cruiser, we don't know the exact model, which makes it a little tough. I mean, when I say the exact model, okay, well, maybe it's 2700, but it could be the 2701 or something. Mm-hmm. I tried to get really deep into the specifics to figure out details about this boat. Mm-hmm. I'm working off a lot of generalities. I kind of mm-hmm. had to assemble it from similar boats and ones that are of the year because we don't even know what year her boat was. Right. So it makes it a little awkward. She probably bought a used one. You probably. Didn't, you didn't call her family? I did not. Mm. Not this time. Because I didn't. Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> So let's talk about the the trip that the pair had planned. Lana and Chuck were planning to take a trip from her parents' house, which is in Bell River, Canada. And they were going to head north to Mackinac Island, uh, which is in northern Michigan. Mm -hmm. Their route was going to take them from the southern edge of Lake St. Clair, which is a small lake connected to Lake Huron, and up the St. Clair River into Lake uh, Lake Huron, and then they were going to head north up to the point where Lake Huron meets up with Lake Michigan. Mm-hmm. So it's about there. a 300-mile or so trip. A nice little trip. Yeah, and it's going to take about two days. Except Lake Huron is known as the Lake of Death. <laughs> it day, is not so. known as that, Joe. Oh, it's not? I'm thinking um, of somewhere else. Okay. I, I do want to point out, though, this is one of those times where I felt like a geography moron because of the fact that wait their trip started in canada and then they headed north to michigan yep yeah it's because because i'm from the west coast and i always look at the map and it's always the map of the u.s with canada deleted and so you just you just look at it's like oh well it's kind of a straight line no no, canada dips down up there i know that now but i felt really dumb so anybody uh, else who's confused that's what's going on no i i actually think that canada should give that land back (laughs) what the hell are they doing Doing down there. I mean, they're living they got on land it? further south in the U.S. That ain't right. <laughs> <laughs> oh well, sorry to all of our Canadian listeners Just as you've unsubscribed to the podcast. You can keep it. <laughs> so on the tenth of August, two thousand five, Lana and Chuck uh, launched from Bell River and they head north. They made it to Oscoda, which is about one hundred and fifty miles north. Or 240 kilometers, roughly, Whoa. north of from their, their launch point at the end of the first day. And they stopped and docked there that night. 
Uh, while they were there, they met a guy named Richard Bannon, and he offered to take give him a ride into town. And then he and his wife joined them for dinner and a couple of cocktails. And then he took them back to the dock that night. So he did it. Yeah, that's no, what I'm thinking. Because oh. they then the next morning got up and left. Says and who? Yeah. How do, you, how do you know he wasn't hiding on the boat somewhere? I'm sorry. <laughs> wow, we'll you two are really wound up today. Mm. I'm pretty hyped about this mystery. <laughs> they left on the morning of Thursday the 11th, and they headed north, and they stopped in Presque Isle at about 1230 in the afternoon. So while they're there and they're, they're getting fueled up, uh, a guy by the name of Gene Austin was working on the dock, and he had said he met the couple. They were in good spirits. The weather was turning kind of crappy. It was cold and windy, so they were, they were wearing fleeces to keep warm, but they were in good spirits. Uh, Lana asked him if there was any areas that she needed to avoid, and he told her about two different shallows to watch out for. She then told him, oh, well, I've got those in my GPS, so no big deal. And they left after they they had topped off the tank. Mm -hmm. And by all accounts, everything was fine. Well, were they shadowed by a mysterious figure in a black raincoat and a fedora? No, they were not. Dang. Okay. Okay. And so the storms worth mentioning? It is. So when they left initially, the weather was good, and they thought they were going to have good weather the whole time. On that second day, the weather was turning cold. Uh, I don't know that it was actually raining, but it was windy. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, the seas did start to get rough, okay. the, the water in the lake. Uh, I believe the next day there are reports of swells anywhere from three to five feet. Okay, so but I just But that's the wonder... next day as the storm is continuing to roll in. Right. It was just crappy and cold. They really but... should have taken a car. <laughs> they should have. Yeah. But Gene... Austin, the guy that you know, mm-hmm. was talking to them on the docks, he didn't really mention, uh, yeah, and I thought they shouldn't be going out in that weather. Anything. Nothing like that. So it, it seemed like it was to- fine. It was like not ideal, but it yeah, was still it was, fine. Yeah, it was cold. Okay. It was chilly out, but and it wasn't windy, as if wasn't. they were going into hurricane force okay. winds or anything crazy right. like that. Yeah, and three to five foot swells is not a big deal, even a 27 foot boat. Yeah, but it, it wasn't even at that level on that day. Yeah. yeah. So that's, no, I mean, that's next, when the storm had progressed. Morning, really, okay. But, yes. Okay. Yeah. I just wanted to make sure that mm-hmm. I was understanding correctly. Absolutely. At somewhere around 1.30 in that afternoon, Lana called her aunt, the one who lived on Mackinac Isle, okay. and, or Island, sorry, it's not Isle, mm-hmm. and she was going to let her know, hey, she let her know, hey, we're a couple of hours out. So we'll be there soon. Yeah, we'll be there in a couple of hours, no big deal. She then at 1.45 called another aunt who lived in Florida, chatted with her, and also told her that they were about two hours away from their destination. Now, that's suspicious. And then... So it should have been one hour and 45 minutes. At, uh, at about 2 o'clock, Lana made one more phone call where she called a uh, male friend of hers. He didn't answer the phone, but she left a, a one-minute voicemail for him. Yeah. I mean, was she good friends with the aunt in Florida? Evidently, she was pretty close with her. It just Somebody that she talked to on a regular basis. I guess it's just kind of one of those things for me where I just think... Ah, oh, really? You know, she's on a boat. The weather's not great. 
she's calling all these people. She could be in the cabin, though. Yeah, she could be chilling in the cabin. Driving the, is Chuck driving the ship or the Chuck boat? Chuck very well could have been. I mean, he, it's not that hard to drive a boat. It's not that hard to drive a boat, and Chuck had learned to drive the boat. Okay. So they'd been living together for a year. They'd been dating for at least two at that point, mm-hmm. and she was always on the boat, so he okay. had to have learned how to drive the boat in, if nothing else, at least open mm-hmm. water. So then you're saying, yeah, okay, Chuck, you stay up here and, you know, hate this by yourself. I'm going to go down to the cabin and make a couple phone calls. I'm going to yeah. call some other guy, man. Yeah. yeah. But, okay. uh, yeah, no, I'm sure. Yeah. They took turns steering the boat. Yeah. yeah. No, I'm sure they, they totally did. Yeah. I've done that before when I'm on long trips. Here, you take the wheel. I'm done with this for a while. You take a lot of boat trips? Occasionally. Yeah. I have. Mm-hmm. Three-hour tours. Mm-hmm. Okay. So we're going to move forward to Friday the 12th. Uh, a captain of a ship crossing Lake Huron saw a small boat bobbing, as he says it, up and down in the rough seas. That's when the swells were happening? Yeah, that's when the swells were three to five foot. He said that he figured either the pilot of that boat was crazy or they were in trouble. So he called the Coast Guard to let him know that he had found this boat because he approached the boat and nobody was responding. He calls the Coast Guard. They had already been alerted to the fact that Chuck and Lana hadn't arrived the day before by Lana's dad. He had called the Coast Guard saying, hey, they didn't arrive. It's been hours. Something's wrong. Mm. So the Coast Guard go. They approach the boat. Um, Nobody's on it. Uh, The boat itself was just drifting. It was 11 miles northeast of Mackinac Island. So So pretty close. Close-ish, yeah. It. Uh, when I you mean, look relative at it on the to map, when they called. No, actually, it's it's farther away. I mean, it, it, it's obvious that the boat had continued to travel, hmm. whether on its own power or by the uh, the the currents. It's hard to say, but yeah, I mean, it obviously had gone to me when I tracked it on the map. It looks like from the two o'clock phone call onward, the boat must have continued moving under power. For some amount of time, it couldn't have just stopped. Right. Mm-hmm. It couldn't have right. just floated that way. Right. But considering where it was found, or it was found, it wasn't moving in quite the right direction. It wasn't, but right. that's part of that's the currents. Right. Mm-hmm. But the Coast Guard go on the boat. Uh, again, nobody answers their hail. They go on the boat. They find nobody on it. And they don't really find any signs of foul play. There's not blood sprayed everywhere sure. or everything broken or anything crazy like that. No axe marks or anything? No axe marks no? Okay. <laughs> in the frame of the boat. Uh, um, there's a there's a number of strange things about the boat itself or the condition that we should talk about. Okay. Um, Devin's going to be very excited because I've used bullet points here. Mm-hmm. Uh, the first thing we're going to talk about is that the boat's engine was on. It was running, though the boat was in neutral. So it had been idling mm-hmm. for a fair amount of time. Yeah. They had to fuel up after one day. Right? They used an entire a a tank half. of fuel in a day and a half? Day, day and a half. And that's at speed. Okay. I mean, boats can, you know, it's like your car. Yeah. Right. Your car can idle for a long time. Right. I mean, I guess that's kind of what I'm wondering is, were they able to guess, you know, idling for this many hours, it would have used this much gas. So we think it mm. probably... I don't That's a good question, you know, because, yeah, gas usage, obviously they were going under power somewhere right. for a while. Although, you know, you never know... Uh, it might be kind of useless to try to estimate that because somebody else could have taken the boat, used it right. for some other purpose, but you would, and refueled it. 
and then oh, that's just true. set it adrift. That's true. Yeah. I yeah, and ah, I haven't seen okay. anything that tried to plot how right. much fuel usage there was because mm-hmm. I don't know that anybody ever said and there was X amount of fuel left in the tank. I've never seen that right. either, so yeah. I, I don't know. I have to. I guess I have to just assume that the Coast Guard probably knows what they're talking about, and if they thought it was worthwhile, they would have done I, it. I, I hope they did. probably. Yeah. yeah. And of course, another another good question to ask is uh, if you search the boat, do you find like a spare five gallon gas can somewhere, and is it full or empty? Yeah. You know. Yeah. So, and mm-hmm. and again, that's something I've never and, heard of. Yeah. And another another question I'd like to hear answered is, did they have any kind of dinghy or lifeboat on this thing, and was it present? If they had any kind of lifeboat, it would have had to have been an inflatable. Uh-huh. This boat is way too small to have anything but an inflatable. Per the last time we talked about, uh, oh, it was um, the one we had our intern on. Right. The, the emergency. Because we actually rafts. look, I actually looked up and requirement, and it sounds like Lana was you know, pretty responsible boat owner. Mm-hmm. And so she would have been required to have an inflatable life raft. As a 27 footer? As anything. Really? Yeah. yeah. Well, I do know that the boat had a lot of PFDs, uh, life jackets. So mm-hmm. besides a lot of those boats, the seat cushions are technically flotation mm-hmm. devices, mm-hmm. but it also had four life vests on they board. They were actual life vests, not the as, like... You're right. Okay. As far as I understand, they were, because they're always referred to as PFDs, which is a personal flotation device, Mm -hmm. which to me does not infer that it was a seat cushion, but it was actually something you could put on. Well, actually, uh, a PFD is anything. That's why a life jacket is a little bit distinct, just like a propeller is uh, a little bit distinct from a screw. A propeller... A screw is a propeller. A propeller is not necessarily a screw. I really hate it when he pulls out his nautical knowledge. It makes me look like a ding dong. Well, but But, they also make, they also make, and I I suspect they did not have this on the ship, but they do also make body suits that are personal flotation devices that are mainly for crews of ships that are going across the Atlantic because they're insulated, they keep you alive, they have a little bit of resources, they have lights and stuff like that, but they are also PF. Okay, yeah. but, but I don't... typically PFDs are life yes. and I typically. think looking at the images that I've seen of this particular boat, I don't think that the seats were flotation devices. Mm. I think they were actual life jackets. Yeah, I think it was probably life and jackets. And she had four life jackets on the boat, uh, and, and apparently she okay. always had four on there. That's what okay. it, that would, she kept that on. That would make sense. Yeah. Those four life jackets were not there. Okay, mm-hmm. when they found the boat, those were gone. Okay, uh, the running lights of the boat were not turned on, okay. so they were off. But the stereo was apparently on. It's said that the stereo was on and it was turned to a Christian station, which wasn't something that the pair were known to listen to. So obviously, we're talking Christian pirates here. <laughs> but well, I don't. I, I. I. have no. I can't substantiate that anywhere. It's just you see it. It's one of those things that you see danced. Well, around. even on top of that, I mean, I if I have a radio my radio tuned to one channel i drive two hours outside of portland and suddenly it's a totally different thing exactly you know so if they were you know four mm-hmm. or five hours away yeah they had one radio station on it could be something totally different by the yeah. time they hit i there. will agree with that's that entirely but also also some stations will just occasionally play something that's kind of christian so at the moment that you happen to board the boat that that one song is playing something yeah. by amy what's her face i can't remember her name now i don't you know, know. <laughs> yeah. anyway that's uh, true so possible maybe it wasn't even a christian but i, I still like the idea of christian pirates <laughs> <laughs> we're not in theories yet Joe. We're, yeah, we're, oh, okay. we're not there we'll yet, talk Bob. about it later you're, you're way you're ahead of the game the the gps unit on the boat and there's there's a lot of contention over this and we're going to talk about this more in theories but the gps unit 
is said to have turned on around 1.30 a.m. on the 12th. Ha. I'm going to, we're going to talk about in more depth on how that's looked at. But can we talk about how they know that? Okay, so GPS units, they have, this particular GPS unit has a certain number of track points. You set your GPS unit to Mm. log a data point every something, whether it be a distance or a time. Okay. And it stopped tracking data points Mm. and uh, sometime on the 11th, and then suddenly at 1.30 a.m. on the 12th, starts tracking tracking data points again. Mm. Okay. And did they, uh, this, this was a Garmin GPS. Right. It. I can't verify that. I believe that it was a Garmin. Yes. Yeah. Okay. And okay. It, we'll it, talk more about that. Okay. Yeah. Uh, but and the other this thing. Was, this was a 2005 GPS, so it was about the size of a of a television set. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, yeah. it's in a 2004 boat or 2001 boat, so I don't know what size it was. It could have been the half of the boat for yeah. all we know. It was mm-hmm. actually the entire deck of the boat. Yeah, because yeah. the older GPSs were that big. They were. Yeah, yeah they I were remember. Huge. And they didn't actually have a screen. They just had this printer that spat out coordinates. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Totally. And actually, and, and the, uh, the the cabin was actually halfway taken up with air conditioning units and had to cool the whole thing. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah, I'm pretty sure that's true. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. yeah, this is totally accurate. We're not making any of this up. Okay, so what else did they find uh, on the boat? Okay, so more about the GPS unit, though. One of the mounting knobs for the GPS unit uh, was found jammed in the bottom of Lana's sneaker. Are we talking just like little knob like We're this? talking a knob that I would say is the handle of the knob would be like two inches or so around. That big? I think it'd be more like about this size. That's a, that, that seems kind of excessive. That's huge. That's kind of huge, yeah. Did and then you, it has a screw coming out. The and then it has a screw and coming out. And the screw out. is what was stuck. Yeah, and the, the screw head, the, you know, it's a flat machine screw. Mm. It's what is jammed into the bottom of her sneaker. So she had a fight with her GPS. And <laughs> the back of her sneaker, which was, uh, the whole sneaker obviously is on the deck, but the back of the sneaker was also torn. I like, I, I just have to point out, no signs of foul play. Sneaker with thing embedded in it. Back torn, no signs of foul play. I know that totally is, normal. It is a little strange. I, don't you think? I, while I admit that it's strange, I don't know that it's actually a sign of foul play. I don't either, but I just like the like, the, I guess the <laughs> statement, the idea that a torn sneaker is definitely not a sign of foul play. But it's torn the sneaker weeks ago. You never know. They're her favorite sneakers. Gonna wear them out. I have to apologize to our listeners for having just said like the like. It's been a long day. Yeah. Like let's keep like, going. Like well, let's talk about the like the like uh, rope that was on the back of the boat because there was a twenty foot rope drifting behind the boat, tied to the boat. What is that like six meters? About six meters. Yeah, uh, it was trailing behind the boat when the captain of the boat of the ship that spotted Sea's life approached the boat. He said he saw two rubber blue rubber bumpers tied to that rope and rubber bumpers if you're not familiar with it they're kind of round rubbery cylinder guys that you would stick between the boat and a dock yeah they're cylindrical yeah Yeah. they're cylindrical round on the ends Mm -hmm. and you got these two tongues that stick out that That you tie a rope to to. and when the uh coast guard showed up there was no bumpers there was no blue bumpers tied to that rope and Uh i'm sorry did we say what time uh that ship found the boat 
about? He saw it sometime in the morning. morning, and the Coast Guard got to it sometime that morning. It's never specified exactly but what But we time. don't even know pre-dawn, dawn. I would say before noon. Okay. But I it believe was daylight? That it's be- yes. Okay. It was daylight when they, because they found the boat. And I think that's one of the reasons that the running lights not being on is noted, because it had obviously been out there all night long. So if somebody had been on it at night, you would believe they would normally turn on the running lights. Right. Mm-hmm. But that wasn't the case. Okay. The, as a, I think as we talked about a little bit before, there's a swim ladder on this boat. The swim ladder was up, so it wasn't uh, dropped into the water. In the trash can, there was an empty bottle of vodka. It was mm-hmm. a fifth of vodka. They'd been out there for how many days? Uh, this was their second day. Okay. Whatever. Seems, seems reasonable. Yep. And, oh, look at this. All of their personal effects and their money is accounted for. No personal Apparently. belongings yeah. appear to be missing. Well, now, here's the deal. Now, they, they say they found their, their wallets and all that stuff, like, you know, on the boat. They say they found their clothes on the boat. Were their clothes below decks or um, were they up in the cockpit or the well of the boat? The images that I saw, it, it gives me the impression that there was some stuff strewn around. but Below decks or above uh, This decks? is above deck. Okay. But it was like, you know, a pair of shorts and a towel or something. And I, I'm I'm working mm. from memory here. I don't remember exactly what it was. But and I've never really seen photos of below decks. I mean, I had to go looking for similar boats to get an idea of what it looked below, uh, in the bow. So I don't know. Mm. I don't know what was where. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I've seen the cast that say their clothes were found on board. I just I wondered if it's like, you know... In disarray or in their well, bag. Or did it appear that they'd stripped naked before jumping into the water and dropped their clothes right there in the well? Or were there just clothes stashed below decks? I mean, I don't... You know, that's, that's I, 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 don't, I, don't I can't say. I haven't seen anything yeah. that, that says it specifically. And like I said, I've only seen a few photos of, of of the well of the boat when it was found. I haven't seen anything in the, in the actual cabin area. Okay. Um, so obviously, of course, they find this boat. The people that are supposed to be on the boat are not on the boat. So a huge search goes on. The Coast Guard's got ships running around. They've got helicopters. The Canadian uh, uh, Coast Guard is doing the same thing. Her family, Lana's family, comes to the area. When they get her boat back from the Coast Guard, they're using it to go around and try and find her. Thousands of square miles is this area that they're covering. Mm -hmm. Keep in mind, the lake itself is like 23,000 square miles. It's a huge friggin' lake. I got an idea. Let's use a potential crime scene as a means to search for people. Please, Let's just it was that. released. Yeah, I, they uh, could they could pick it up, and I, they did. Gosh. Yeah, I I don't know how long they had it in custody though. Did I mean it must have been for a while, right? They didn't just turn around and turn it over to the. I family, honestly don't know how long it was in custody. I mean, I, all I, I know is that the family talks about the fact that they took her boat out yeah. and they used her boat. And there's some issues that are brought up later on that they're like, uh, to- we totally kept using this boat and nobody well, suffered any ill effects. Well, one of the no, I I, I like it better. If the family goes out in the boat and they disappear, and then you know, and then, and then more family comes out and they disappear. Yeah, and then, yeah I like and it's that. It's the better. boat. The boat's doing it. I like that better. Can we just put that in there? Oh, is it? Uh, it's the carry of boats. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what it is. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It basically just like flips over, you know, chucks them out, <laughs> and then writes itself. 
motors itself back to the dock, ties itself up in that nice, crappy 1970s or 1980s still photography where a rope wraps itself around something as it ties itself. Yeah, Mm -hmm. Yeah. we'll totally set this up, guys. So we're going to move forward in time to the 24th of August, which is two weeks later. Two women uh, spot what they believe is a body on the rock shoal of Huron Bay. And the authorities confer, come out and take the body away and indeed confirm that it is Lana. The strange thing about the condition of her body is that she is completely naked, short of wearing her watch, a ring, and her necklace. I say What's that strange straight. about that? Well, I say that strange because... She, her family knew that she never swam with her jewelry on, which I totally get. Yeah, well, why yeah, would you? I mean, why would you? Yeah. She always used to put it on her, her watch band and then attach her watch band to the wheel of the boat. Right, which is really smart. Yes. The other reason is that the watch itself uh, was a watch that somebody had given her years ago and it was kind of a prized possession. Mm. She'd recently had it cleaned and tuned. So to just jump into the water with it and blatantly knowingly destroy it Mm. was unlike her. Oh, duh. Um, The other thing that... It's a life-saving thing. Yes. It would have to be an extreme situation. She wouldn't just casually hop in for a swim with it on. Especially with the the weather conditions, what they are, and the water temperature, what Mm -hmm. it was. Yeah. Um, It's it's very apparent that she was naked when she was in the water. It's not as if she went in and her clothes came off of her. And that's because there were no rub marks or wear marks from the clothing. And she Mm -hmm. didn't even have any, uh, no no underwear, no nothing. Mm -hmm. So it would be apparent and there wasn't enough time for those things to have broken enough up enough or gotten waterlogged enough to come off on their own now the only the only thing i could think of is that if she went in and then took her clothes off because obviously swimming with clothes wet clothes is very 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 hard hard. well we're not in theories yet but i will rebuke that with who the hell bothers to take off their underwear when they're taking off their heavy jeans and shirt you don't worry about your underwear. Those are kind of inconsequential, I would believe. Counterpoint, she wasn't wearing any. That's, that's what I was possible, thinking, too. But on a cold, blustery day, I don't know that that's the case. But we're not in theories yet, mm. so mm. we're going to sideline that for a few minutes. All right, fine. Um, so a little bit uh, more about the body. Uh, it appears that there were no marks or bruises of obvious trauma that would have caused her to die. Sorry, I had one question. Yeah. Uh, so do we know what time did the watch stop at? It's not said. Okay. We That's don't fine. know. Yeah. It's a great question. I, I've never is, seen uh, what the time stamp was. Yeah, no, that, that is an excellent point, and it's uh, kind of like an indictment of American journalism that these friggin' reporters who have massively more resources well, than but we the watch, do... Well, but the watch could potentially be water-resistant, so then they'd have to do the math. And, you know, reporters don't like math. It's it's kind of kryptonite. I just yeah. feel like you can say the watch stopped at this time, no, I, and I, it still gives you at I least a completely understand. Uh, and you know what? The police may not have ever released that information. It's possible. Yeah. That's completely plausible too. Uh, but the bo- the body, like I said, there's no marks, there's no outward sign of obvious trauma. Uh, the medical examiner does rule that uh, she did drown. That was the cause of death. 
The only other thing that they call out is that there was almost no alcohol in her system at all, which means it's probably from the drinks that she, a few drinks she'd had the night before, mm. but it wasn't as if she had been boozing it up on the 11th. Uh, but or she, right directly prior to her death. Right. right. But she also had elevated levels of carbon monoxide in her system, mm. uh, which we'll talk about. Okay. So I guess really where we're at now is there's a couple of things. So Chuck's body has never been found. Well, Chuck has never been found. Right. Let's just be clear. Yes, Chuck has never been found. You don't know if he's so dead or alive. So the mystery is what happened on C's life that day? Uh, what happened to cause Lana to go into the water and and die? Did Chuck die that day? And if so, how? And if not, where is he? I mean, those those are our, our mysteries here. So let's go into theories. Let's solve this mystery. I'm tired of it already. <laughs> so theory number one is that it was an accident due to skinny dipping. No. Mm-hmm. Okay, this is actually one that you'll see bandied about on the internet That's a lot. It's People, silly. Well, no, I actually, I totally understand. Initially, without doing any reading on the on the conditions and all of that, people are like, well, they probably decided that it would be a good idea to just jump off the boat and go skinny dipping. Can I just, like, real quick run through why this is a bad idea? Please. I know, it's I, railroading I, you a little bit, but, like, okay, in the middle of a storm, it's cold, it's the middle of the night. I don't know that was She didn't have storm. any alcohol. Well, it wouldn't have been the middle of the night, but it was the daytime. Whatever. She didn't have any alcohol in her system, so she was making good decisions. Also, the watch. Also, the necklace. Also, the ring. No. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The only things that I'll add to that is that the air temperature was in the mid to low 60s and the water was 62 degrees. Okay, although, on the other hand... Which is not something that would incline me as a man to jump into the water. Guys especially do not like to climb into cold water naked and come back out again. I will be 100% honest with you guys. I have at one point, sorry if this is oversharing, very drunkenly gone skinny dipping on the Oregon coast in the middle of winter. Whoa. Yeah. So it's colder. The water's oh, yeah. colder. But I was so drunk, I didn't even feel it. Right. But you have to be. You have to be super drunk to think that's and a good idea. Lana had almost no booze in her, mm-hmm. so that yeah. doesn't work. Yeah. And now, the watch. Yeah. People really easily. I understand why this is an easy go-to thing. But it's bad. But yeah, I, I, I just I don't think that that's that's going to work. I mean, people also say, well, oh uh, well, they must have been doing that, and that's why there was a line off the boats because that's how they were making sure the boat didn't get away from them. But I've mm. been I've jumped off a boat. I got convinced once to jump off of an unmoored boat, and that thing in almost no winds and on a flat lake started to move on its own really quickly. Also, yeah. you don't put your boat in idle; you turn it off. Yeah, and also. You probably drop an anchor. Yeah, that would make sense. So there's a whole bunch of holes with this. They just but went skinny dipping. Also, and the, the boat swimming. Went away. You need the ladder down. You would want the ladder. We don't down. need the ladder to get off of the boat. But you, you need, need to get back, back on. on. You want to do That's that, an yeah. important part of the skinny dipping theory. But you know, this is actually suddenly I've suddenly had a flash of realization that we've just solved the Mary Celeste. <laughs> Skinny dipping, yes. Okay. Duh. <laughs> no, obviously. Well, now that we've changed stories, let's go to our next theory. On the Mary Celeste? Okay. Yeah. Uh, so the next theory is that uh, Chuck pushed her overboard and ran away with the circus. Mm-hmm. Uh, or actually, probably they were having some domestic issues that turned into a domestic dispute. 
Yeah. Before we go too deep in this theory, I'm <laughs> sorry, maybe you're going to talk about this in the theory. Do we know what the message that uh, Lana left for her uh, male friend said? We know the gist of it, yes. Okay. Well, Are we going to talk about that? Uh, we will. We'll okay. talk about it a little Great. bit. Uh, okay. Okay, so th this one um, also is popular, and that's because it's got some anecdotal evidence to support it. Uh, so to lay the theory out, the theory out is that Chuck peeved off at Lana for some reason, like, say, maybe getting ready to break up with him, uh, decides that he's had enough, and he shoves her overboard, and then he drives the boat somewhere and runs away. Okay, mm. well, okay. I gotta say, though, you know, if, if I were dating somebody... And I was planning on breaking up with her. I wouldn't probably, get on a boat with yeah, him. Yeah, I probably wouldn't be wanting to have, have this long vacation with him. I mean, at, at this point, I'm done with him. So people you know. make a lot of strange decisions when they're in relationships. We yeah. can all look back and say, I was really pretty done with that, but why did we do that thing? Or why did the... Like, this stuff happens. Mm -hmm. Logically, after the fact, it's easy to say, I should never have done that. But at the time, you're, people rationalize and convince themselves to do a lot of funny things. I don't know. It's pretty easy to say, I'm going to break up with this guy on a boat in the middle of a lake. Like, that's a bad decision, no matter what way well, you do it. I'm sure she didn't plan on breaking up with him on yeah. the boat. No, but, I mean, if you're about to do it, you're not going to go into a secluded dangerous situation with him probably so well, let's, let's talk about let's talk about though i, I know what you're talking i know where you guys are heading with this yeah and let's give some of the the preamble first before we get too much into that okay so let's talk about Devin. um i actually realized i've got the contents of the call or awesome. the general information about the call right here so the call that was made to the male friend was a, f a man that chuck was evidently very jealous of mm -hmm. And she had told people that she was uh, a cousin of hers was having a wedding that that summer, mm. and she had, was going to go. And her intention was to take this other man and not Chuck. Yeah. Now, did this other man live in Detroit? He was in the area, I believe. Mm. I mean, Chuck evidently knew him because Chuck was jealous of him. So mm. I've got to believe that they operated in the same circles. Okay. He's not like he's a friend that lived on the West Coast or something or far, far away. Now, certainly mm. if I were Chuck, I would be unhappy about that. I yeah. Can, I can see that. Yeah, absolutely. And the the thing is... Well, so why? why? So why was she going to get rid of him? Yeah. Well, Chuck's behavior, there were times where he... He may Sounds have like exhibited some really bad behavior. Chuck was kind of a bad drunk from what I heard. Yeah, that's exactly it. So he, remember I said he came from a family of lawyers? Yeah. There is speculation that he should have been invited to practice at his father's firm. Yeah. But instead he wasn't because apparently, according to some people, he had a tendency to take a, a two martini lunch that turned into a three martini lunch that then stretched into the wee hours of the morning and he'd never come back to the office. So he had a habit of drinking too much. And these people who are saying this, are they reputable sources? They uh, they sound like they're actually a lot of family. Okay. They're people who knew them. People and who a lot of it necessarily... sounds like it's from Lana's family, but I can't substantiate that because it's always just and this happened and this mm. is said. It's it's insinuated, but the source is never cited. But he did have a tendency to turn into a total D-bag when he had a bunch of booze in him. That does happen to some people. It, yeah, it's it actually a lot of people. It, yeah, it really does. Yeah. There are at 
least three times that people have pointed out where Chuck got himself kicked out of bars because he was supposedly too drunk. Mm. But that that doesn't mean he was being aggressive. That means he was cut off and, and, and told hammered, to leave. You know. But there's also a time where he supposedly got into a fight with Lana to the point that people who were there decided that it was so bad they had to get in between the couple. To be honest, yelling and name-calling and pointing and being just a super saucy drunk does not mean that somebody's inclined to do harm to another person while sober or drunk. I mean, I'm not defending that behavior, but it doesn't mean that it's not an A equals B scenario. But, you know, she also said to her friends, she said that, listen, if anything ever happens to me, look at my boyfriend. Mm. Well, Well, he... If anything ever happens to you, uh, the police will look at your boyfriend. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, yeah, they will. Yeah. I I mean, I've seen pictures of them. Mm-hmm. Um, she is super attractive. Mm-hmm. He is not unattractive, but I can see why he would think maybe she was a bit out of his league and get yeah. jealous pretty yeah, I quickly. Could, I could so totally see that. I he was totally always looking over that. his shoulder, I'm sure. Yeah. yeah. No, and, and, I, and people have said that he was, he had, ba- he had totally, he was out of his league with her. Yeah. Well, yeah. and you know, for, as someone who is also kind of just outgoing and flirty by nature, um, you know, I've, Are you talking about I've, Steve? Yeah, Steve. Mm. As Steve. I'm talking as Steve right now. I've been in situations where, you know, I've definitely dated people who felt like that was unacceptable. And, you know, you go out to the bar, you have a couple of drinks, you just engage with people the way you engage with people. Yeah. And they perceive that as being really flirty and inappropriate and you get in a fight yeah. and then, you know, things get heated. And I, I mean, I can, but I can also see that if the friends were drunk, they might perceive that as a very much more serious situation than it actually was. If everybody, you know? if everybody involved is at the bar, mm-hmm. that means alcohol is involved, which means that your memory cannot be totally trusted and your impressions or perceptions of the situation may be skewed. Yeah. I mean, I get overly uh, protective of my friends mm-hmm. when I get a little drunk and if they're getting in a little kind of, you know, snippy f- spat with their significant other, I uh, am immediately like, oh my God, stop abusing her. That's the worst. <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. So I can understand yeah. how her well, friends and, might have perceived that even if it wasn't necessarily true, but also it could have been true. Here's the I, other... oh, go ahead. I get around this by just not having friends who are nasty drunks. Yeah. That is an easy way to solve it. That is totally an easy way to solve it. But the other thing is that what we don't know is so that that comment of the fact that uh, she said, well, if anything ever happens to me, look at my boyfriend. Mm-hmm. We have no idea if she was being serious or sarcastic. Well, do we have any idea if anybody even actually said that? She As supposedly she said, I mean, said that to a friend, probably, and that friend apparently has taken it to be serious but which friend? after the fact. Yeah, who was this friend, and you know, when did she say it, and was she yeah. even talking about this boyfriend? I mean, Look and, at me, hands in the air. Totally make it look up? on my face. I mean, like, I, yeah, I, I, I have mean, no idea who made this statement again these are things that are bandied about Mm-hmm. Got to bring them all up. Whether I I hold it to be correct or not, I don't know. Mm. Um, there's there's some other things that I really 
I have a lot of hesitation with, and that's some other witnesses, and these are late-breaking witnesses. Yeah, they came out, like, long after, right? Yes, so there's there's two witnesses that we're going to talk about here. There is one, uh, this gentleman came forward, like, nine months or ten months after Lana and Chuck disappeared, and it is, uh, he said that he was driving down the street and he was going by a local casino and he saw a man and a woman having a fight and the man was waving his arms around, looked like he was hitting the woman and trying to shove her in the car. And then she ran away and got in another car and took off and he followed that car uh, until at some point he stopped following that car and he was pretty sure that that was Chuck, he was positive, actually. He says he's positive it was them. It was Chuck Lana and, Lana, huh? and Chuck. Hmm, but it was nine months later. Kind of doubting that. And it know. happened a month before they disappeared. So we're talking ten months. And if you listen to this guy, I'm sorry, I, I don't buy him. He, hmm. We've seen too many people come forward after the fact in stories like this to get the, the media attention yeah. that I really, really am hesitant to buy his story. You know, I mean, maybe maybe Lana was in denial about the terrible situation that her relationship had turned into with Chuck's drinking. I don't know that people do that. It happens. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, I, this guy, I, I can't add any credibility to him. He's not the only one who came forward, though. There are two ladies who uh, came forward again eight, nine months later, after a story aired on the TV uh, saying that they were uh, in Huron Bay on the 11th and that they saw a boat drifting close to the rocks. And they also saw another boat speeding out of the bay, but they couldn't see who or how many people were on it, but they were pretty sure that it was Sea's Life. Huron Bay is important to them because that is where Lana's body was found. Yeah. Problem is, the the, the currents drift from north to south. Mm. So how in the hell did the boat get from the bay all the way to 11 miles northeast of Mackinac Island if mm. nobody was on it? Well, and also, how is it that the boat sort of drifted in close to the rocks and then reversed its course all on its own and drifted away again? Yeah. I mean, uh, you know, if it's drifting towards the rocks, it's, and, and, and as far as a boat speeding away, well, it's water, it's a lake, you're going to see boats speeding around. So, exactly. Yeah. People are on boats. Yeah. yeah. It happens. It's crazy, but it happens. I've seen it with my own eyes. So let's, uh, so we talked about a little bit the fact that there is the, the phone call and so people, we're, we're, we're continuing on. So we've talked about these yeah. late-breaking witnesses. We're still in the theory that, uh, that Chuck shoved her overboard on purpose. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I could totally see this. If he's insecure and a little jealous, he might be like, when she's not around, she's in the head picking up her phone, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. and having a look at, you know, who she's calling. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, it's possible that, you know, he, they have a, a, he overhears part of her conversation and then he gets angry and he shoves her overboard. Yeah, it's possible he didn't know that he wasn't going to the wedding with her. And just suddenly found out and lost yeah. his mind. Well, he, uh, I'm guessing that he didn't even know there was a wedding taking place. I, yeah, I gotta be honest with you. I would not be super stoked if I found out that my boyfriend was taking another girl to a wedding. Yeah. No, right? I, I, I once actually, this is, this is 
bad on my part. I was I was dating a woman, and she broke up with me specifically because I went to a wedding without her. I I would probably break up with my boyfriend. Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. That's, that's okay. I mean, did I you would... go with someone else? Well, no. Okay, uh, then that's fine. Yeah, yeah. I, that's less. I had I had my reasons for not wanting to take her with. And I just never should have mentioned. But you didn't her. replace her. I didn't replace right. her. Right? See, that's I, no, not as bad. No, no. You, you, you the did, bad you part didn't is you didn't take a different one. date. No, I didn't. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but she was that, that. That was that was that pissed her off big. Yeah, time. I bet. <laughs> but, but yeah, so you can see yeah. how he would be upset. Oh hell so yeah! So we can see how he would shove her into the water. It does a little bit explain possibly why she had carbon monoxide in her her system if she goes into the water because she would be trying to get on the boat where she's at the back of the boat, where the swim deck is, which is also where the exhaust of the boat is. Yeah. So you can see why she would be breathing that in. But it still doesn't explain to me, and I know that we're going to have this conversation again, but it still doesn't explain to me why she was buck naked. Also, yeah. why the back of her tennis shoes were... Were torn. torn. Why one, one and shoe why was torn. the GPS was the the mount of the GPS was in her shoe. It, I mean that that in that you know because if they're having a fight of that magnitude, there are signs of foul play on the boat. Yes, there there would be signs. And of And if foul there play. aren't, if it's intentional, he's gonna throw the sneakers overboard. You don't leave that stuff around if you like just accidentally push your girlfriend overboard and she's dead. Well, mm-hmm. yeah, you exactly. toss that overboard too and yeah, hope you, for the you're best. Actually pull the knob out and put it back in the GPS. Probably. And then, and then you toss the sneaker overboard. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's so that's my problem with that. Too. Yeah. Well, yeah. and there's, I mean, people point to, for this theory, people say, well, obviously Chuck was drunk that day because there's an empty vodka bottle in the trash can. Oh, yeah. That, well, that, she doesn't probably, probably have... Probably consumed the night before. Or at well, some point in the past, it's not like she's yeah. got a maid service that comes onto her boat and takes the trash away for her. Yeah, no, I mean, it could Who knows how long it's been there? It could have, you know, it could have been a half a half a fifth, and they polished it off the night before. Could have been even you know, less. Yeah. A couple knows? shots. Yeah, you don't know. I yeah, mean, you, you have no idea. That I she mean, just had on the boat, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean... So, I, or she could have finished it, like, months ago. Yeah, And like it was I just said, chilling there. Yeah, it had been there for a long time. You, yeah. you just don't know. Although, I, I would think with these two, apparently they both like to drink. You'd think there'd be a substantial stock of booze on board. Well, I don't think there was a lot of room for that substantial stock of booze, Joe. Well, there was a pretty tight quarters well, in, in the bow of that boat. And yeah. in addition to that, it's not as though they were, like, staying overnight really that much on the boat, right? They right. Wa- they stopped and they got dinner and maybe had a couple of drinks and then got back on. And, and stayed the night on the boat that night. She seemed to be trying to be responsible. S- yeah, no, stay with family the next day. Yeah, yeah, they probably came back to the boat, had a shot, and, you know, went to sleep. You know? Yeah. But... Yeah, it, it's hard to say. So, um, I mean, just the problems uh, with the the, the late-breaking witness theories or the witness statements, excuse me, I have a lot of issue with that. And then, I mean, this, this theory continues on that, that Chuck must have turned off the GPS and then drove the boat somewhere else. Evidently, he must have drove it north before he got off. If the ladies mm. the, the, the ladies who spotted the bo- boat in Lake Huron are to be believed, then, or maybe even not that, but somehow he must have taken it north and then that's why the boat drifted to where it is. People say this because his body hasn't been found. Mm. But it turns out bodies not showing up after they go into the water in that lake are not uncommon things. No, apparently about half of them don't show back up. It's 750 feet deep. 
It's a big lake. It's big. It's big cold lake. water. Mm-hmm. He's a he was not a small guy. He was not. He no. probably weighed more than she did, and it's possible that he sank. Well, well the fat she floats. floats. It's, it's a matter of yeah. It's a matter of, of his body density. I mean, if he, right. If it's he was his, a fat it's his guy, density. And, and I, I I can't tell totally. He look doesn't he look like chubby. a chubby. He doesn't look like a skinny guy. You know. So it's but a he of his he may not have been as buoyant as her. Some people mm-hmm. are more buoyant than others. He could have been yeah. wearing clothes. He could have had weights on his feet because he was working out. He could have been wearing concrete over, like concrete shoes. Yeah. yeah. Um, so uh, anyway, no. But here's the other thing is that he might have washed up on shore too somewhere. But here's the deal. This after bodies have been in the water for a while, it's kind of even hard to recognize them. Yeah. Well, but, but the, the, you know, that's a good point is that bodies do wash up and bodies have washed up. There was a body that washed up in 2008 that they thought might have been him. But it turned out that it wasn't. They also thought that it could have been three or four other people who had disappeared in the lake. It turned out it was mm-hmm. somebody who had disappeared a year prior. Yeah. It's well, a big friggin' lake, It's man. a huge lake. There's a lot of coastline. It could have washed up and been carried away by animals before anybody stumbled or, across yeah, it. Yeah, or know? just got to, sank to the bottom and the sea life had their way with it. Yeah, so it could have been. It's, well, it's also, not completely crazy that the body, quote-unquote, disappears. There Aren't there like little shoals and islands and things like that all over the lake, too? Mm-hmm. I mean, maybe it just washed up there and, and nobody found, found it, it. and yeah. it just broke down and yeah. yeah and nature took its course it's or possible it could have been he actually swam to one of those islands he's living there now <laughs> still living yeah yeah they yeah, living the life of riley okay yeah. so you're right okay let's keep going well because <laughs> there's some stuff we did not address there that i want to address I know, but i know we're I know. not doing that entirely. we're gonna do that a little bit more here yeah um so we're gonna move on to this theory which is it was an accident but it was Chuck's fault because he was drunk. Okay. This is very similar. To, you're going to find this in a couple of them. There's a lot of things that bleed through. Mm-hmm. Again, this is saying he drank all the vodka that day. Mm-hmm. He was super sauced. And he didn't knock her over uh, overboard intentionally, but somehow accidentally she went over. Mm-hmm. He then freaks out. And starts throwing the the PFDs at her, the life jackets at her to try to get it to her. He he throws a line to her, and then when he can't do get her that way, he decides to just go ahead and jump in himself to try and rescue her and bring her back to the boat. I mm. like this theory. Yeah, it's uh, entirely possible, except. I can't imagine she went in and just immediately immediately started stripping. I can't either. Yeah, I mean that's the problem I have with this. I, but other, you know, otherwise it's pretty solid. But I can see that the problem is is he he must have been really sauced or just a really stupid person when he doesn't realize that what he can do is put the boat in neutral and you know which it was. Yeah, and put it in neutral and actually maybe even turn it around and like head it back towards her a little bit. You know, I mean. Uh, you know, if no he was to, drunk, there's no reason to panic. His judgment, well, yeah, but, maybe but when somebody goes overboard. If, really okay, isn't. let's let's keep yeah. this going with this. If indeed he is sauced, his judgment is highly impaired, and that logical thought may not occur. Mm. If he's not sauced, well, that's a completely different story. Can we talk about the carbon monoxide? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So um, she did have carbon monoxide in her bloodstream. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is. I'm going to apologize because there's a bit of science here, and I really struggled with this. She had a 13% saturation in her blood, which is where it's a little tricky because there's a certain amount of time that you have to inhale carbon monoxide or certain concentrations to reach that. So there's, there's different ways that it could have happened. But the general thinking is that 
to get to 13% saturation, she must have been in the exhaust stream of the boat, which means she was hanging around at the swim deck for 15 to 20 minutes, at which point she would have inhaled enough that caused dizziness and nausea, at which point would mean that she starts to have some issues with maintaining, keeping her head above water, and that would have been what caused her to drown. And we said the swim deck is like a little... There, it's, there's a little perch there, right? The, per- Off the, the back well, the, of the, the boat, swim there's deck like a is little... about eight or twelve inches above the waterline. But it's a little it's not, perch I there. I don't know that it's a big enough thing to actually like sit on or anything, but it's uh, you could it's, sit on it. But it's but it's hard. It's a hard thing when you're when you're tired to pull yourself up twelve inches out of the water. I mean, it, I don't know if you've ever tried. I mean, that's not yeah, easy yeah. to do. Well, but I was just thinking, I mean, she was a tan girl. Uh, you know, maybe she thought, oh, I'm just going to sun myself here, but it doesn't sound like it was The, the weather doesn't make Probably sense not. for that because yeah, it's 62 right. degrees and stormy. <laughs> oh, I'm that falling into work. that trap. You're right. I'm sorry. Um, but I'm, you know, it's, it's funny is that the carbon monoxide, I, I was reading and there's this thing, I can't believe people do this, called teak surfing. Have you heard of that? I have oh. done it. You've done it? Yes. Uh, What's it called again? Teak surfing, as teak in the surfing. wood teak. Because yeah. the boats used to be made out of teak. You would yeah. hang onto the teak, the back of the boat or the side of the boat, and you would either body surf or surf on your bare feet, yeah. which uh-huh. knowing what a danger it is, because you're in the exhaust stream yeah, of the boat, is insane to me. Again, yeah. drunk. But people do Sorry. it. Well, <laughs> yeah, people do a lot of stupid stuff. I doubt that she would. I don't, yeah. and especially uh-huh. not in this situation. And naked and with all her jewelry. Yeah. The other, yeah, and the the other thing that I will point out is uh, we, you know, having carbon monoxide in your bloodstream is not necessarily this immediate bad thing. Uh, smokers have somewhere between five to nine percent in their bloodstream most times, so it's not as if it's an instant death sentence. Yeah, I don't. I, I, I don't think. I mean, I don't think the the cause of death is carbon monoxide poisoning the reason uh, for drowning may have been carbon monoxide because uh her um just uh, being mental state uh yeah yeah i was trying to think of the the word is but disorientation disorientation thank you joe yeah yeah um, it's it's but it doesn't mean that as soon as you breathe that stuff in you're instantly disoriented and drunk on it no No, i mean there's there's carbon monoxide if you walk downtown you know you're going to be inhaling at least a bit of that Mm -hmm. oh yeah next to idling traffic yeah what uh what at what level do you actually like you know die 50 percent 50 Fifty percent blood saturation really? is where you die. Okay, I'll keep uh, that's, it. Below. And that's that's instant yeah. death. I will keep it below that. Thing. And for my, um, just I have to say, one of my favorite stories about the actual dangers of carbon monoxide poisoning is a Reddit post. It's one of the like best of. If you just best of carbon monoxide poisoning, I'm sure it'll come up. This guy posted on legal advice because he thought his. Uh, landlord was breaking into his apartment, leaving him sticky notes. And it turned out that he was so poisoned with carbon monoxide that he was forgetting that he was writing himself sticky notes and thought that it was his landlord. (laughs) Wow. You should go read the story. But like this can literally happen to people. So... That explains a lot. It does. I need to check the carbon monoxide in this yes. house. You, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But so, I mean, it can be that serious without causing any other kind of side effects. It was just memory loss for this guy. Yeah. But it doesn't sound like this was prolonged exposure. No. It was acute exposure. No. And, and again, the, the, the reason I brought up earlier the fact that her family had used the boat after the fact is that some people will say, well, obviously there must have been a leak and the carbon monoxide was spilling into the cabin somewhere. But if her family is using the boat, mm. then somebody else should have experienced the 
shown symptoms of carbon monoxide poisoning. Uh, a counterpoint. Were, was her family sleeping in the cabin? I don't know. Because I guess it's possible that it was leaking in, but they weren't spending enough time in the actual cabin, but that she and Chuck were sleeping in problem there. The problem with that, but Devin, when they slept is in the that... Cabin, they didn't have the engine on. And the other problem is that they slept at a dock, and then they left, and they were traveling. They would have had to... She was making phone calls in the cabin. Okay. Colonel Mustard. I mean, she spent more time in the cabin than other people, so she could have been exposed to it more. I understand it's it's grasping at straws. It really is grasping, because the engine is at the rear of the boat. That's the problem with with this. But um, the other thing that we'll talk about right now is the GPS knob. Yeah. So like we said, that knob is about an inch or two around. It's the kind of thing that when it comes unscrewed and it falls to the ground, it's going to fall with the shaft pointing up, Mm -hmm. which as soon as you step on it, it's going to bury itself into your shoe. Mm -hmm. If there's a a seam there... Well, yeah, but if it's a tennis shoe, it's not like it's going to jam your foot. Yeah, you're going to feel that you stepped on a thing. You're going to know, yeah. which could explain why she tore out of it, because she, if she was walking and she stepped on it and she twists, you could see how that would cause her tennis shoe to tear in the motion. It's possible. I'm not saying it's the right answer, but it's possible. Are we talking, I'm sorry, are we talking tennis shoes like you're wearing right now? Are we talking Yeah. Like, okay. Oh. I mean, it feels like it would take a lot to tear the back out of those tennis shoes, but... You would think so, but I've had tennis shoes tear, and it's amazing. You know, it's like tearing a a phone book. You see the guy do it. It's like, it's never going to... Holy crap, once it starts, it just goes. Ah, sure. Uh, It could have been worn, too. Mm. Yeah. They weren't brand new shoes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean... So let's uh, let's talk a little bit more, though, about the GPS unit, because there's some things about it that we haven't covered. You remember we talked about the data points? Mm -hmm. You were asking about what the heck the deal was with those. Yeah. So here's the, the numbers. So we actually have some numbers here. The GPS unit on her boat was able to track 2,000 data points or location points. Okay. That you would input and say, show me this thing, or that it was tracking It would log 2,000 so points. Okay. And it would just do it automatically, right? Right. Just, okay. uh, every, right. Every 10 minutes, something like that. So, whatever. It's, uh, we'll get into some details in okay. just sure. a sec. Uh, there were 1,885 of that possible 2,000 data points Ooh. logged. And like I said, there's a gap between sometime in the afternoon on the 11th and 1.30 a.m. in the morning of the 12th, which uh, where there's no, nothing missing. And people point to this 115 missing location or data points. Quote, unquote. Right. Yes. As uh, indicating that there's something going on in that time lag, people will actually say, well, obviously somebody went in there and they deleted that stuff so that you didn't know where the boat was, which is a little hinky to me. That seems silly. And I say that because thanks to some forums of people who are boat enthusiasts, I, and they also, I happened to pick up this particular story. I got a bunch of information, which is, it's believed that her boat was probably using a Garmin 130. And if you go to look up a Garmin 130 now, be aware that though Garmin still uses the name Garmin 130, it's completely different than it used to be. And wow. this was one Gee, of those things so. that would come standard on the boat. 
or come with the boat. I, that she I, didn't I, install I would think that people would outfit those. This, you know, I believe, posts. this was an aftermarket, yeah. after the fact addition. It was not if the if the knob had come loose. Oh, it's not point. something that would be flush mounted into the dash of the boat. Mm. It's something that was mounted on after the fact on okay. kind of a swivel mount. Okay, yeah. that's um, the kind of technology you really don't want to buy that's installed in the boat because this changes so fast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I mean my. My car's GPS is my car's a year old, and the GPS system I used the one on my phone because it's better yeah. than what was in a brand new car. So yeah, yeah. Okay. same same exact theory. But these uh, these folks on this forum helped me figure out that, like I said, they think it's a one thirty, and that particular unit, or actually a lot of units, but this one in particular had three modes. It had off, which means it didn't track any data points. Well, it does. It had uh, what was called fill, which means it tracked until it filled up and then it stopped tracking any data points. Or it had wrap, which was it tracked up until it reached almost capacity, at which point it deleted the oldest data points to have space to keep recording on top of it. It's overwriting the data. Yeah. What we don't know, and I want to point this out, is I doubt that it was overwriting them one at a time. Most likely what it did is it wiped Ouch. blocks of memory out. Quite so, possibly. So yeah. let's just say it's block, it wipes out 200 of the oldest data points, and then the thing keeps going. So it mm-hmm. hits capacity, wipes 200, and then keeps logging. Well, that would explain why it's this random number of 115, because it hasn't reached that minimum before it wipes another 200. Well, I sir, don't know what the minimum number wipe is. I'm making 200 up. It's probably 50 or 100, but here's the deal. Uh, has anybody actually published the track that was stored on the GPS? The anybody? police the have The police have it, and they're not Police have it, it, but... You know, it's from what I've gathered, it follows the route that they were heading to Mackinac Island. Mm -hmm. And then at some point in there, it stopped. And then it began again when the boat was drifting uh, Mm -hmm. relatively where it was found uh, by the Coast Guard. Uh, But but that's that's a little suspicious. Well, if that's the case, though, then I mean, if it if it's track their entire journey with and just a small interruption in the middle with and, with a and, sep- and, with and a with 6 or 12 hour gap but so i yeah. guess my question is is uh was it battery powered or was it plugged was it was it hardwired it was so a hardwired unit dependent on the power of the ship or and, the and, boat. and the boat was on idle, so the battery it should have was, been It was, but it doesn't necessarily mean that the boat was on idle the entire time. No. Right? So if they turn the boat off and it's not receiving power, if mm. it doesn't have a battery pack... No, no. It, it would it would be wired into the boat's system. I mean, you've been on a boat. You yes. turn the engine off, you still have electricity. Right. Until the battery drains. But once the battery drains, you can't turn the boat back on. But so, I mean, what's to say there wasn't an electrical problem for a minute? During well, the middle and of the I, I actually, I'm not going to disagree with that because here's the thing. Lana had had, I don't know what it was, but she had had some work done to her GPS unit, mm-hmm. which gives me the indication uh, that it makes total sense that one of the knobs would have come loose in two days of constantly driving over not smooth water, Mm -hmm. that thing's going to unscrew itself. Mm -hmm. Okay, now it's rattling along on only one screw holding it in place. 
I can see how the power connection could come loose. Yeah. Or if it's using, I believe it had a built-in antenna, but let's just presume that maybe it had an external antenna. The antenna could have come disconnected a little bit, mm-hmm. which if it can't get any data, it can't log anything. Then let's move forward in time to now the seas are rougher. The thing is bouncing around. The connection could have rattled good enough for it to turn back on. I am making, this is pure conjecture, but I'm just looking at, well, okay, well, somebody worked on it. It's only got one knob on it. I I don't know if you've ever had anything that, that connects in two points and one of them comes loose. Things really start riding around really fast. And plugs, they, they come loose. Well, yeah, they do. But uh, was there any evidence that it, it maybe had been duct taped into place or anything like that? Mm, no. Again, nobody ever said. And the GPS unit was all duct tape on the backside. Yeah. They used hot glue all over that mother. Absolutely. Nobody ever do. said that. That's what I do. Maybe, yeah, maybe some nails. Or like that. <laughs> <laughs> Nail the cable in place. I guess, yeah. Uh, I just I, uh, I don't find the missing data points nearly as suspicious as other people do, just yeah. based on the conditions of the boat and everything that it went through. Yeah. Oh, true that. Yeah, I mean, I, I do think that, uh, you know, it's entirely possible that, you know, pirates actually, but I'm talking pirates, I'm not talking guys in ships, like taking them over, but guys that basically... Uh, board the boat at some place like the lot the last place they gassed the boat up mm-hmm. and borrowing the boat for something because they were close to canada and you may not know this or not but there's a very profitable business smuggling cigarettes across the canadian border so i mean maybe are you just... being serious no i'm serious really they could have like taken them murdered them smoke not just cigarettes even though uh, it seems like a hell of a thing to do to smuggle cigarettes to 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 throw two people overboard. It does, but but I mean that's that's just one thing. I mean th- the cigarettes is less likely, but suppose this. It's not... by the way, we're now in the pirate theory. For anybody who hasn't picked that up, we skipped this, some theories. We we just moved right into the pirate theory. This is the pirate theory, uh, but it wasn't. Uh, I, I'm thinking more like for smuggling people. If you want a boat and you want to get from you want to get some people into the U.S. from Canada, let's say they're uh, you know some Al Qaeda types, you know, who want to come into the country and they don't really feel like walking over the mountains, they can't go through a checkpoint. So you murder a couple of people, take their boat, go to Canada, which is not at all far away, pick up your guys, bring them back to the U.S., drop them off, and then ditch the boat. You know, and that's it. Okay, so yeah. the, I, I have a number of problems with that, yeah. which is where did they bump into Chuck and Lana to mm-hmm. then decide that they were they were great marks for this situation? I mean, the only point that they could have done that, and that this actually falls a little bit in line with the lead investigator's theory, mm-hmm. which the lead investigator's theory is that they met somebody at Presque Isle who mm-hmm. was not a good person, a nefarious kind of guy who left on their own boat and followed them mm-hmm. and then did something, you know, um, made her strip and then walk the plank or yeah, yeah. whatever, whatever, whatever. Yeah. I mean, that that is sort of in line with it, but... I know, you're thinking about the phone calls, I well, know. But, well, the I'm phone not even... Calls the, the phone calls, the phone calls, let's just say, you know, dismiss the phone calls. The phone calls happen before this person or Joe's Canadian pirates show up. Mm-hmm. And so all of that happens after the fact. But... For what you're talking about, if you were going to leave a 
dock in Canada and go to a dock in the States, it's, uh, I, it's not like there's a bajillion customs points. I mean, there's a million places and a million boats you could do it with. It just seems out amazing it that is. these guys fell into a terrorist trap. I yeah. also like the idea of Canadian pirates because they're just like, oh, hey, sorry to bother you, man. Uh <laughs> Hey, we uh, we're gonna need your boat, man. Hey, hey. Eh? Okay. Yeah. Hey. And they're like, no, you can't have it. Oh, sorry, man. We gotta. <laughs> we uh, we, we really need your it. boat. Hey, sorry, man. Uh, here's your some Tim Hortons. <laughs> man, I'm oh, sorry, no. eh? Now all well, our Canadian really, listeners are really I'm sorry. We, this is right twice now. now we've just gone off on our <laughs> Canadian. <laughs> sorry, guys. Sorry. Um, but okay. come on, even but Canadians not... can recognize that they are not good pirates. No, they no. know. No. It's like Portlanders aren't good pirates. We're too, we're like not, we're yeah. just too nice. We're just, yeah. yeah, we wouldn't do that. No. Okay, so. But anyway, no, I, I, I think that's a stretch. I, I agree. I yeah. think, I do think the fact that she is naked but wearing her jewelry and her watch, it makes me suspect that perhaps uh, somebody of a nefarious nature did somehow board their boat. And I guess made it her doesn't strip for me. and walk the plank. Because yeah. we're, they didn't sleep. They were spending the night, right? They had dinner and they left. Correct. Right? So they were they were on the lake at night. So it's not so weird to me to They assume. disappeared in the daytime. Did they? Yes, because it was 2 o'clock in the afternoon is the the phone calls. Right. And they showed up at the dock to get on Presque Isle to mm-hmm. get gas at 12.30 in the afternoon. Right. But yeah. the unaccounted time is until when? The next morning. Right. So we have overnight Correct. So they. But why would they have not called anybody or used the radio if they the boat died? Well, maybe the boat didn't die. Maybe they were fine I don't for think a while. The boat died. Um, I mean, you're, they took a nap. I don't know. I, I mean, mean you're, you're you're saying that they moored up somewhere and then ended up sleeping that spot overnight, even yeah. though they had told everybody they were going to be there in two hours. Did they find her cell phone? I again. Did it have a charge? I, I sure mean, frankly, I, I that's like a again, question, right? A, a questions I can't answer. I right. I, no, I think they did find her cell phone. I think it was on the boat. Well, did it have a charge? Do you know? Uh, probably by the time they found it, it might still have had a charge. But I mean, I so know. that's but, part of it, right? Is maybe you think, okay, we ran into a little trouble. We're just going to, you know what? The storm, it's not good. We don't want to try and dock. She, We're just going to spend the night. Lana was very close with her family, so it is very out of character for her to have called her family and said, I'll be there in two or three hours, and then just not show and not contact anybody. But if her phone was dead, she had no way to contact them. It's not, I mean, um, I've her been... Her phone has this thing called a charger, and I'm Shh. sure she remembers I don't know. It. Shh, listen. <laughs> okay. I mean, things can go bad quick on the sea. Mm. Maybe yeah. they decided to have a quickie. Okay. I, I mean, she's on her boat with her boyfriend. It's not so weird to me that she's naked. Uh, no, no. no there, I, I have a theory about why she's naked, but we're not there. Okay. Um, but we, it also doesn't, also, to me, mean something like the, some ne'er-do-well came on the ship and stripped her naked. I agree. I also agree with okay. that. It doesn't mean that to me. So we've, yeah, we've now addressed but... we've addressed the pirate theory. We've addressed the lead investigator's theory that something happened. Uh, somebody 
followed them from, from Presque Isle. Um, the other thing that I want to talk about is that this is a relatively similar to the Chucks and a drunken fool and knocks her overboard is that it's believed that she may have, uh, he may have gone over because he was a bumbling fool, not drunk, mm. but a klutzy guy and goes over and as she, you know, she's throwing the PFDs at him and she can't get in to get them and she's throwing, so she throws the robe to him and he gets to the boat. Now, why she doesn't drop the swim ladder, I don't know, but she doesn't and instead reaches down to give him a hand and as she's trying to pull him onto the boat, he inadvertently pulls her over. I mean... Or it's the other way around. It's he does all this while she's in the water. Or, I mean, he goes over. She throws some PFDs in. It's not working. She goes, I'm a strong swimmer. I can save him. And she jumps in after him. But he was also a strong swimmer, too. Maybe he's floundering. I mean, you can be a strong swimmer and have one thing go wrong. It can happen. The thing that her family always points to to say that this can't be the case is, again, boater safety had been drilled into her for so long. And boater safety says no matter how bad it is, the pilot doesn't get off the friggin' boat because as soon as you get off the boat, the boat is gone. Yeah. You're right. And now you're both stranded in the water. And you're in Mary Celeste territory. Yeah. yeah, Boater safety is very important. But... Steve, look me in the eye and tell me that if your wife was floundering overboard and the only option you thought to save her was to jump in after her, you'd be like, I'm the pilot. I got to stay on the boat. Yeah, I got life insurance. I got life insurance on her. I just mean, you know, so while our reports, they're happy, they're in love. They've been together for a couple of years. I would jump in after my boyfriend. I, well, I, but, I but would, you know, and I know boater safety. Well, no, the thing about it is, is that uh, number one, there was no, there were no signs of trauma. It was like, say, if she fell overboard, there were no knocks on the head or anything mm-hmm. like that. He, she was in full, my theory, he fell overboard. Okay, sure. okay. We'll, we'll leave okay, it either I, way. I can see that. Okay, so he fell overboard. He's drowning, but she still knows enough to to stop the boat and maybe head back towards him. Yeah, but, and... but but I but I see what you're talking about. The problem I have with this is that I guess she should she could have panicked and just dove overboard to rescue him. But you would think she would have put the ladder down. Yeah, I mean that's not that's exactly that's not my good point. Thinking you would you know? think, but yeah, again, I mean, I know. Steve well, says this all the time. That's like. That's thinking rationally. Well, yeah, she's a chick. I know. The person that no, you love. No joke. Just Cut kidding. it out. The person that you love, you're watching them drown. You're watching that person die. Yeah. What are you going to do? Yeah. Are but, you going to be like bladder? But, you, but then... you have a fast, maneuverable thing called a boat yeah. that you can turn around and get to him and chuck the rope at him and hook him with the rope and well, try and pull him up. Maybe uh, she tried that unless and it didn't work. Maybe he was unconscious. Maybe he banged his head and yeah. he was like, you know. And, but still, you would think that she would be rational enough to, you know. I literally don't bring the think boat around close that I would, you know, put the ladder down and all that stuff. Uh, yeah, that's that's my problem. And okay, well, let's just let's just say that she does. Yeah, okay, so part of this is that one of them, let's say it's him in the water, he accidentally pulls her overboard. Uh, what I don't get is why she wouldn't kick the swim ladder over 
as she's reaching down to pull him up. Well, it's, no, I mean, I mean, trying not... to pull him up from the well of the boat is, is asinine anyway. Why? Yeah. Would, she would kick the ladder down, climb down to the swim platform, and yeah. grab him from there. Right, she'd yeah. climb down. This the is sh- a really big boat, you guys. You're like saying no, as it if isn't. like it's just like right there. She could just reach her leg over and Devin, kick the thing down. This boat, yeah. this boat has a, a two couches. Great. How two long are they? Two small couches. But how long are they? Okay, it's probably the size of my couch, which is like a six or seven foot couch. There's small couches with seats on the ends and then i mean if you look at the schematics of these boats half of it is the well so they're not big things it's not like she has to run a hundred yards to I'm get to the back of the boat i'm not saying a hundred yards but i'm also saying you miss the thing and he's pulling you over it's not like it's right there and you can you have a couple tries but you you pull somebody back onto the boat at the lowest point of the boat which is right. the swim platform yes. But so if, if you're, you're at being... the swim platform, you knock the ladder over saying, hey, dummy, climb up the swim ladder. But so what if he falls overboard and he grabs onto you for stability and you both go over? You can't just kick the ladder. I, but I don't I don't think that he could have reached her from the water, from the well. He's, uh, we're we're going down rabbit holeville. We yeah. have gone so far down the rabbit hole, you two. Yeah, yeah, no, we're that... so far off track. No, the, the bottom line is, is there uh, there is there are a lot of ways that... You can accidentally accidentally go overboard on a boat, you yeah, know? And, and it happens all the time. It you does. Know? Yeah, there goes ships. So let's let's move to a completely, totally different theory. I like this one. Aliens, not aliens. The actual theory is that it is a angry client, uh, aka or angry I guess defendant. angry defendant would be the right way to put it, aka the mob. The in Detroit, yeah. So cool. Chuck was, Chuck was a prosecutor. He was a prosecutor. Yeah. And so according to some people, it's entirely possible that he was prosecuting somebody who didn't appreciate him prosecuting them. And they figured out where Chuck was and they followed he and unfortunately, because she was in the wrong place at the wrong time, Lana out onto the water. They figured out where their boat was. They threw her over overboard. After making her strip naked. After making because her strip naked. Because she's hot, you know, so why not? And then took him to his, uh, his, his torture party. Why uh-huh. it gotta be him? Because she was never a prosecutor, I she was not. She wasn't no. a prosecutor. We don't know what she did. She she worked for the city of Detroit doing law. law stuff. I don't believe that the city of Detroit a, prosecutes a lot of people. But she's not working for the prosecutor's office. Who's she working for? She's working for the city of Detroit. I get the feeling that it was more of mundane stuff, contracts and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. You know? I've, I mean, yeah. you know. Okay, you can you can argue that <laughs> yeah. it's Lana's fault all you want, Devin. I'm gonna. The point of the matter is somebody was this mad at one theory. Of them. Got it is asinine. Oh, yeah, it's bad. Because it is hard enough to track somebody down on land, let it alone when they're out on the water speeding along in a boat. There's a lot easier ways to find somebody, that's for sure. Yeah. And also, like, get a hold of them. Yeah. Right? I mean, this is... Frankly, if, you know, if Chuck sees defendant number five over there on a boat going... Pull over, I gotta get on your ship. He's obviously so not gonna you. be like, yeah. yeah, okay, sure. Hey, I totally recognize that dude. Yeah, he's okay. he was, he's a good guy. I tried to send him away for five years. Let's <laughs> let him on board and give him a shot of vodka. Yeah, it's, I'm sure. No, sure no, no hard feelings. No, yeah, that, that doesn't work. So, I really feel like that one doesn't have any any basis. No, no. Other really. than it sounds co- cool and convenient. Mm. 
The only one we have left is what I'm going to refer to as the Steve special, and that's a rogue wave. So this theory, according to me, by the way, I made this up because I'm combining a whole bunch of stuff that's uh, related to the case, is I'm looking, and, and this all comes from, well, Lana is obviously had to have been naked before she went in the water. Well, Let's I'm, say that I'm she's... I'm not 100% convinced about that. Really. I still, I, I feel like she probably would not have been going commando. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, at the least, I would have expected she'd have some bathing suit on. But so the, what I'm, I'm trying to do is I'm trying to explain why she's naked. And so what I'm thinking is that is if it is crappy weather and they're hitting Big Chop... She gets soaked by a wave, She whether they run through spray and she's had too much or there's a rogue wave that hits her. She says, hey, Chuck, can you take the wheel? I'm going to go down below. I'm going to change my clothes so I'm not freezing to death. He's like, sure, no problem, honey, whatever. Something else happens. Either she hears Chuck in distress or the boat's going all wonky and she realizes nobody's at the pilot or at the pilot's wheel. Of course, when an emergency happens and you're naked... What do you do? You don't stop to put your clothes on. You I go to, to take care of the emergency. It's why your mom told you to always make sure you're wearing clean underwear in case you go to the hospital because you never know when that's going to happen. Yeah. The point is, whatever then happens, happens from there. But that's the only way that I can I can justify or or make sense of why she would have been naked before she went in the water. Yeah. Is that... She had to have had a good reason to take her clothes off in the first place. And when you're on a boat and you get soaked and it's friggin' cold, you change into dry clothes. That's that's the only thing that I can come up with. No matter how much you two try to tell me she was going commando. Uh, proposal. She says, hey, babe, uh, I just got soaked. Take the wheel. I got to go change. He says... That's an invitation if I ever heard one. <laughs> He's a dude. Right? She goes down, gets naked. He wanders down and is like, hey, babe, what's up? And she's like, what are you doing? (laughs) Somebody Uh, is supposed to be driving the ship. She runs up to try to drive the ship and gets thrown overboard. And then the crack and grabs her. And he's drunk. And he goes overboard. And, you know, the rest is history. It's it's the only problem I have with that. It's an invitation if I ever heard one. It is. um, It it is an invitation for sure. But... uh, Nothing's an invitation. Um, Let's be clear about that. Yeah, okay. Okay, yeah, that's right. Let's be correct here. If she had really totally gotten drenched, the first thing that would have come off was her watch because she would have wanted to dry that off. That's good True. point. Yeah. Damn good and, point. And so, yeah, I, and so I'm not totally sure that I buy into that or not. I still like the, the Christian pirates who made her strip before she walked the plank. Because that makes sense. <laughs> yeah, it totally does. <laughs> I I still like the, the cigarette smuggling Canadians, but... I still like no, the Alcatta connection, although even that's not quite believable. Yeah, I mean, that's... I think a, people here, just screw up and fall overboard. Well, it and happens that's, all the time. That, but that's, that's the thing with this story, is that people screw up and fall overboard all the time, but when it's two of them, one of whom is reported to have been so competent and so aware of how things should be done, it it really makes me question every theory. I mean, yeah. we've gone through a lot of theories. Well, it's we've hard. talked about an, for an hour about theories. I mean, it's hard for me because that assumes that Chuck is the one who went overboard. It is. Yeah. You know, because every time we say, yeah, but she really knew what she was doing. It's like, yeah, but accidents happen. You know? Mm, and yeah. if she was the one who went overboard, he may have, you know, been a little trained, but... 
That yeah, he obviously mean. didn't have the indoctrination that she right. did. Right, he yeah. didn't grow up around it. And you know, again, I know I reference this all the time. Every talk we, every time we talk about boat mysteries and stuff like that. Are you can talk but, about cruise ship. Well, a little bit. I mean, that's there are a lot of mysteries that I don't really want to cover because I think that person just went overboard and they're Pretty cruise easy. ship related. Yeah. And people are always like, well, oh, no, no, that person couldn't possibly have gone overboard. And it's like, no, no, people go overboard all the time. And I know that sounds really insensitive. I know that sounds horrible, but it is true. That's why people they have these go things overboard. On, that, they have these things on, on sailboats and boats and stuff that are called safety straps. Yeah. So when you're on deck, you've mm-hmm. got this strap on you so you won't fall so overboard. So you will not go and, overboard. Yeah, or yeah. if you do go overboard, at least you've got this rope to help yourself like stay attached to your boat and yeah. maybe get back on board. Yeah. So oh, yeah that, was one of the, that was one of the things that was uh, always dangerous. Until we got into the modern uh, motor power boat age is that sailors used to get washed over in storms all the time. Get, oh, oh, yeah. I mean, that just it just happens, and I know that sounds awful, and I know that it's hard to accept because it's, mm, I guess it's easier somehow to think, well, I got abducted or like he mm. murdered her. But the fact of the matter is people go overboard and then people make bad decisions to get their loved ones back and mm-hmm. there, it just happens. Yeah, there is a popular theory out there about this one is that Chuck murdered her, whether accidentally no. or not, and that he actually survived and he's, he's actually living under a false identity somewhere. That's and, silly. Well, I, it is. It is a little silly, but the supporting evidence is this. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not saying this is true because I doubt it very, very much. But uh, supporting evidence is that his family was not all that excited about going out and searching for him, uh, unlike her family, unlike Lana's family, and they were a little too a little too quick to get him declared legally dead. So let me address yeah. that. And and you know, again, I'm not buying this theory. So but, I'll, I'll actually address the uh, thing that happened that has drawn a little bit of internet scorn against his family. Yeah. Is that what comes out is that somebody came to his family and said, "Hey, I've got a helicopter. I'll go search for your son. I'll let you use it to go search for your son. And all you have to do is pay for the cost of fuel. Which was how much? Well, helicopter fuel isn't cheap. It's more than it costs per gallon to put it in your car. I know that. Oh, yeah. And that, that is, I can understand why his family's like, uh... I I don't think I can pay for that. It it might be his family. And that always, yeah. you know, people always say, well, obviously they're hiding something because they didn't they didn't want to just pour everything they had into the search. Uh, you know, aviation fuel is not cheap. Well, more yeah. than that, yeah. I mean, not only do you think it's the cost of the helicopter, I mean, it's just, I mean, they may just be very pragmatic. About or they may be very private, and they just don't want to be out in the, the limelight. The they might time. be afraid of heights, even. I mean, I don't know, but... Uh, well, know. no, I'm just, I'm, yeah, I get where you're going with that, but I just mean they may not want to just be out on the boat. They They just want to stay together and see what happens and let the professionals... Yeah, well, do their job. That's yeah, us. that's there's that, and also I don't know exactly when this person with the with the chopper approached them, and if that was like a week or two after, you know, I mean, uh, do you know when it was? I think it was within a week or yeah. within the week. It might have been. I mean, you know, generally speaking, if somebody the Coast Guard goes, was already searching in helicopters. Yeah, they were already searching a lot for free. And, yeah. And, uh, you know, if a week has gone by or even several days has gone by and, and there's no sign of them, it's like, well, kind of, you know. It's a little too late. Yeah. yeah. Time yeah. to stick a fork in it, really. Yeah. hate to say it, but yeah. Yeah. So I, I personally, I don't, I don't have a preferred theory on this one because 
I feel like it could be a bajillion different things. I like the killer rabbit theory. <laughs> I think my preferred theory is, you know, as jaded and awful as it sounds, is some sort of accident. I don't think there was an intention either way. I think they both went over, and it's just... What happened happened. What happened happened. Pretty much. Sure. I think so, too. Uh, All there, right. Yeah, what about foul play? Let me think. Foul play, foul play, foul play. No. Oh, yeah, no. Okay. Okay, okay no. Well, if you want to see any of the links that we have available for the research that we did, we will put up some of that on the website, of course, as we always do. That website is thinkingsidewayspodcast.com. We are available in a lot of different places. Uh, You can, of course, stream or download from the website itself. We're on iTunes, so if you use iTunes, do take the time to subscribe, leave us a rating, and a review, positive, preferable. But Obviously. if you've got issues, please, uh, something that's bothering you, Send put it email. in a forum where we can have a conversation because you can't have a conversation in a comment on iTunes. True Send that. us an email. But we're available on most of the streaming services. Uh, you know, I, the one that comes to mind at the moment is Google Play because that's where we're getting a whole bunch of new listeners from. Oh, wait, that's cool. Yeah, absolutely. Well, what uh, about the Twitter? Are we on the Twitter? We are on the Twitter. We're thinking sideways without the G in the middle. Devin is quite busy on that. Right now. We. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you guys don't know this, but she's constantly on her phone. Every we are uh, we are on Facebook. We have the Facebook page and the Facebook group, uh, so we're always busy on that. There's a lot of activity there, which is a lot of fun. Yep. We have a subreddit, which is r forward slash thinking sideways. Is it forward slash? <laughs> just thinking sideways. Thinking sideways. Okay, we're gonna just take the. If R's. you use Reddit, I no longer you use ours, uh, so it's just thinking sideways. Yeah. Uh, we do, as we said, have the email address. If you've got uh, concerns or or feedback, or you've got questions or suggestions, or just generally want to talk with us, send us an email. That is thinkingsidewayspodcast at gmail.com. We get a lot of emails, and we will respond to every single one of them, but it might take us a couple days. Sometimes it gets a little busy. We're all a little busy at work these days, yeah. so it's when you can find time, we do find but time. We but will we always find do. Time. Yeah. We always do. Uh, oh, and uh, if you want to support the show, we would appreciate that. But it is by no means a requirement. We do appreciate everybody who has contributed to the show. There's a number of ways to do that. We've got merchandise available. Uh, there's a link for that on the website for T-shirts, phone cases, mugs, stickers, all that kind of stuff. If what you're into that, stuff? it's all there. If you want to make a donation to the show, you can do that in two forms. You can go and use PayPal to make a one-time donation mm. or if you want to make a ongoing contribution you can do that via patreon patreon is a reoccurring basis it's based on every episode you say how much you want to give per and every time we put an episode that's what you're going to get charged for and so by the way we don't, and by the way if we throw up a short or something like that. We don't. Oh yeah, no, not everything those. is. You yeah. know, we put up interviews and stuff like that. We never charge for that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. But be aware, it is an ongoing basis. Yeah. Uh, that is the only other thing. There's nothing else that I can think of that we need to so. do at this point. We've covered all the bases. Yep. So I think we're gonna float out of here. So if you are Chuck, give us a call. Or send us an email. Or if you are a Canadian cigarette smuggling pirate. I'd like to talk to you. Or if you're the Al-Qaeda guy that's responsible for all this, I want to talk to you, too. Lana!